Hello, and welcome to our podcast, What Makes Them Tip, innovations that changed everything, where we hear from business leaders and entrepreneurs about the moment, insight, or inspiration that made everything possible, and ultimately push them over the tipping point. I'm Mike Strada, founder and CEO of Arcalea, where we inspire business change by introducing data science, formal analytics, and provide implementation for marketing. Moneyball for growth-oriented businesses, we say success is now a science. Stay with us, and at the end of the show, we'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the industry. And with that, let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of What Makes Them Tip, Entrepreneurial Innovations That Changed Everything. I'm your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is Jake Savage. He is the president of Basemakers. Jake, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Timmy. Good to be here. So first things first, Jake, give our listeners a nutshell story about your journey as an entrepreneur and uh, and tell us a little bit about your company, Basemakers. Yeah, I would say that the journey, well, really a lot of where we've landed so far today at Basemakers, I think stems from my experience as a, a door-to-door salesman. I got started in that when I was 15, which was just wild. I had a guy that I knew approached me and said, hey, I think you'd be good at this. And he invited me to come. And it was, it was literally, or maybe not literally, but it felt like <laughs> the scene of the Wolf of Wall Street. And I'm okay. a 15 year old kid and all these guys are much older than me. And it is just an insane office where people show up every day at 4 p.m., go spread out to different neighborhoods around the whole DC area, knock on doors, try to sell stuff. What are you and selling? We were selling home remodeling products, windows, side okay. roofing, all that stuff. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And so absolutely love that's a thrilling atmosphere for a 15 year old, as you can imagine. Okay. And so I I don't know that I would have loved that. Uh, what, what were you always sort of bent towards sales? No, I mean, that was, that was it. I was, I went and got a work permit at age 14 to work at this new burger place that opened up. And so I was always just passionate about working and making my own money. And then as soon as I found out I could work pure commission off of something that I was naturally decent at yeah, yeah. and work on improving it. So yeah, I mean, I was, I was interested immediately when this friend invited me and then came was pretty pitiful at first, started to grow, love it, making so much money. I had bought my own car as a wow. sophomore in, in wow. high school. All my friends and friends' parents thought I was dealing drugs, but it just door-to-door sales. And then I think the first real entrepreneurial adventure came in college where I started a screen printing business and didn't know what the heck I was doing there, but just, it was to make some shirts for some friends and they paid me. And then somebody else said, Hey, I'll offer you money. You know, if you can make me a hundred shirts and then it turned into, can you make me a thousand shirts? And I started to just crank up these orders and supported myself a little bit through college doing that, which was fun, but insane amount of work for not that much in return, ultimately in the screen printing business. Yeah. Yeah. So transitioned back, uh, went back to -to door-to-door sales throughout the remainder of college and then after college. And then six years ago, a little over six years ago, I had someone uh, approach me to help out as a sales rep for this upcoming food and beverage company, food and beverage sales company in Denver, Colorado. And I was living in Colorado at the time. 
And just, I think because it was a startup, it sounded interesting and there was, there were no employees. It was brand new and they needed a sales guy that could help build a team and teach people how to sell. So that's really where the beginning of base makers happened. And that was in February of 2015. Got it. I find that there's a strong link between people that become entrepreneurs or become very entrepreneurial in their approach to um, their career and people that took an early interest in sales. Do you feel like that's true? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing to look, especially on social media at my group of friends that I knocked doors on with back at age 15. There uh-huh. were, there were plenty of people that came and went cause it's only commission and it's like, you know, kind of shady in some instances. I mean, the work was not shady, but the office culture was not healthy. And so we had people come and go, but those of us that stayed, I think that really built a solid foundation for our futures. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, a couple of my friends are very successful and well off. And one of them who I knocked doors on with for probably the longest time is uh the baby's agent. So he, oh, wow into the music industry. Yeah. He's just blowing up, but yeah, it all comes from door to door salesman. So that's awesome. Okay. So tell me, tell me about, uh, base makers, uh, in a nutshell, what are the unique ways that your company approaches the market? Yeah. Good question. We're, we're really trying to just bring a fresh new approach to the food and beverage industry. So there are a lot of giants in terms of well, let's, let me backtrack here. So we're an outsourced sales team for emerging food and beverage brands. Okay. So if a new energy drink or chip company, something wants to start up instead of hiring all their own salespeople and merchandising in each city around the nation, they can hire us. So that's the premise. And there are people like us that exist currently, but their main focus is on the merchandising. You go into a store, you restock the shelves. This prevents shelves from sitting empty, which results in lost sales, which is really difficult for emerging brands to deal with tough to build when your shelves are sitting empty all day. In grocery stores, they they maintain profitability by keeping their labor hours low. So mm. shelves do sit empty uh, around the nation year round. So our approach was, I would say, relatively new. Instead of kind of being a tired old giant that just has a bunch of people that are clocking in nine to five that don't really care about their jobs, that are just stocking shelves, we said, let's bring some young kind of fresh gusto in here. We'll go in, we'll stock the shelves. But what if we hung out afterwards and we had conversations with the managers of these stores and we trained salespeople to persuade the managers to put our product mm. at eye level or premium placement or to expand the presence or visibility of the brand within the store? Mm-hmm. Because if you, go to, if you go to Whole Foods Corporate or Safeway, you know, Kroger Corporate, it's really difficult to try to secure premium shelf space without paying a lot of money for it. But if we can befriend the local store manager at the store level, that's where we can move the needle. So that's what, that's what separated base makers. Uh, and initially when we got started, nobody else was doing that, that kind of more aggressive sales approach to increase the presence of the brand. I love it. Cool. And so that started in 2015. What are some of the interesting ways that you've innovated uh, as a company or on your approach since then? or new things that you've tried? Yeah. I mean, we've tried a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> a lot of things haven't worked, but you know, it's really interesting. <laughs> you can definitely tell me about things that haven't worked. I'd be interested in that too. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it's just, you know, it's, it's interesting being, having a leadership team that's pretty young. I mean, when yeah. we started this, everybody was under 30 and we're growing pretty rapidly. And so you've got a, you've got a pretty big team and everyone's relying on like almost kids, so to speak. Um, don't want to discredit ourselves too much, but really like we're super young, don't have a lot of experience. And so I think we just made a lot of mistakes in the way that we managed people. That's, okay. man, that's, that's a tremendous skill that I'd underestimated probably an undervalued initially, which just leadership overall. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, just a lot of mistakes with the way that you interact with individuals basically. But I think in terms of innovation, it's really come down to, um, for us, our strategy and our approach, um, we, we, we changed the game. I, I, well, I guess we, we have our own version of the game where instead of spending a lot of time in these grocery stores, restocking shelves from multiple brands, you know, we, our strategy is built on uh, hitting multiple accounts per day, visiting account dense regions around the country. And then we charge our clients per account. So we can basically like strategically route our reps to pack in in as many accounts as possible and then to be uber effective within those accounts. And that's where the salesmanship comes into play. Uh, And then of course we use some different like CRM and tech platforms, each of our our field team members, just so they can communicate and report back. Uh, Oh, well, one thing that failed, man, speaking of apps, we had an app built uh, to try and uh, report the basically like communicate what we were able to achieve for our clients to our clients. We said, Hey guys, we got this great app. It's ready to go. That was super premature. It never worked. And (laughs) why did it fail? Why was it? Why was it? uh, Yeah. Why was it not successful? As soon as you launch an app, you become a tech company. Uh You can't launch an app and not be ready to go as a full-blown tech company. It requires so much upkeep and ongoing Mm. engineering to constantly improve. And we thought we were so smart that we had just beat the system by having a buddy that could code for next to nothing, build this, you know, skeleton of an app. And it just was absolutely terrible. So, yeah, yeah. but (laughs) everything else has been working. Yeah. I feel like UI is what makes an app good. Oh, well, there's probably so many things that make an app good, but like, if you don't nail UI, like people are not going to want to use that app. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. I think the UI... (laughs) was not, um, you know, the person that we had built it was not specialized in that by any means. And then it was also kind of like this skeleton framework of an app that uh, did not have API to actually connect to our real apps to, you know, bring that information over and report it back to our clients. So we paid a virtual assistant in the Philippines to actually manually go through all this data and then put it into the app to the clients. And it was just, everything was kind of a train wreck. But you <laughs> That was one, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, tell me about Persuasion School, your podcast. Yeah, so I just, I, I, I think I'm a competitive person uh, at my core, and it's always been ex- one reason sales has excited me is hearing somebody tell me no or some type of objection, and then see if I can do a better job of identifying what their real problems are and then reframing that same thing in a way that uh, meets that, that need or that challenge. And they say, yes. And that's really cool. And I think more people need to be able to do that. People have fantastic ideas. People deserve raises. They deserve promotions. 
they deserve just more in life. But a lot of people don't have that ability to get past a no. They don't have the ability to identify what the, the right challenges are, the right needs, goals, wants. And they don't have their abilities to reframe what they want or what they're offering in a way that meets those needs, goals, and wants. So Persuasion School is a podcast that I've got where I, I just do short episodes, 20 minutes or less, one principle or method on persuasion at a time, something that's just easily digestible and actionable so that anybody that wants to, to learn and grow and be more persuasive can, can jump on the podcast and learn. I love it. I'm into it. Take me back to a time uh, in your company when you felt like you were hitting your head against a wall. And this is this is sort of the whole point of the show is what makes them tip. So I want to go back to a time when something happened or a decision was made uh, that tipped you towards success. Yeah, great question. Been asked this multiple times over the years. What did we do? And there's a lot of ways that I could answer it that are kind of similar to what you probably hear from anybody just like working really hard to deliver value and you know, whatever it is. But I think there's, there's a mantra that we followed in the beginning and there've been times where we strayed from it and we were, uh, we felt the ramifications of it, but there's a mantra we've always tried to strive or, or live by, which is a John Maxwell quote. Okay. It says, if you want to grow, just add followers. But if you want to multiply, Add leaders. And we were very intentional with all of the hires, especially like our first 10 to 20 hires. Very intentional to make sure we were hiring leaders. We did not care if they couldn't sell. We did not care if they didn't know anything about the food and beverage industry, although it would have helped. We were really focused on hiring leaders. And ultimately, man, because this is a service based business and we're like a people based business. I think that's what really led us to tip is we hired people that just really took ownership because you're, you're also hiring people remotely. So we're a remote organization around the nation and I can't just be there to check in with somebody in their region. They're not clocking in and coming to the office. So trustworthy people that are self-driven, self-motivated and people that are really just invested in others. And we did that. And then it was just tenfold. They, they hired people that were leaders and they hired people that were leaders. And I think that that's just what led to our growth. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. What are some problems that you're still currently wrestling with, dealing with, trying to solve? What's a tipping point that you are hoping for in the future of the company? Yeah. Good. Good question. I think our biggest challenges in order for us to continue growing are really keeping our internal team happy because this is, again, it's sales. And so sales is a transference of emotion. And so if somebody is not in a good emotional headspace, it's going to come out in their work. It's not like a factory worker or, you know, a coding engineer where you're just writing lines of code, you're doing something on a factory line. Like this is all about communication. And so when the team is hurting, the business is hurting and we see it through our data. It's not just a feeling. We have metrics to back up when people are not in a good headspace they're not performing. So our challenges really rely on keeping a team of 50 people motivated and happy. And also, you know, we're a third-party sales uh, company that focuses on merchandising. And then if we can, you know, be persuasive in the stores, then great. But merchandising and restocking shelves is essentially an entry-level job. So we have these people that come in at an entry-level job, learn a lot, start to really excel. And then, you know, it's like finding ways to keep them keep them excited after they've mastered this skill, essentially. 
I think is really tough. It's, it's really about the culture. I think are the biggest yeah. challenges. I love it. Jake, what's up ahead for you as an entrepreneur? Uh, am I outing you if I, if I ask you this question about no, what, you're what you're trying to do? Yeah, I've, uh, my whole team knows about it and, uh, I'm really, I'm really excited about it. So 10 years ago, I had the chance to go visit Eastern Europe, this country called Moldova. I had never even heard of. And, uh, I was there to just go to this sports camp with these kids. And while there, uh, ended up learning, unfortunately about the, the real realities of the sex trafficking industry which as a 20 year old kid, I didn't even know existed. So eyes were kind of open to that. Ended up going back to Moldova to live there for six months. And then have just returned almost every year since then. And I'm passionate about fighting human trafficking. So here's the thing. A lot of these nonprofits that are doing this good work, whether it's preventative uh, or they're trying to go in and rescue people that are you know, trapped somewhere, whatever the case is, they just, they're relying on donations. Like that's, that's the model for them. The economic engine is donations. And they typically these nonprofits have fundraising teams. And if the fundraising team isn't executing and doing their job, they're holding up the whole rescue yeah. operation or whatever yeah. it is. So what's next for me is I am launching a consulting service where I will be leveraging corporate sales methods to help nonprofit fundraising teams be more effective and win bigger donations. I love it. I'm so into that. When is that happening? <laughs> January, man. Start January. <laughs> Great. I love yeah, it. Uh, Jake, thanks so much for being on this podcast. How can listeners connect with you? Instagram is the best way. I'm a uh, active on there, probably a little too active. It's at, it's Jake Savage. You can send me a DM and uh, keep up with me on that platform. Love it. Thanks for being on. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to our show. What makes them tip innovations that changed everything. If you're an entrepreneurial leader and you'd like to share the inspiration that changed everything in your business or venture, please visit arcalea.com slash guest and a small request. If you've liked this interview, please help us out by sharing this episode with a friend or on social with the hashtag Arcalea. You can also help us out right now by providing a review in your podcast player and a thumbs up or rating review would help a ton. We promise to read every word and it helps us improve a little bit each day. And while you're at it, please also subscribe because every week you're going to be inspired and learn from other leaders in bite-sized increments. Again, my name is Mike Strada. Let's connect either on social or stay up to date on all things business at arcalea.com. Thanks again for listening and thank you for being part of the over 99% of America's firms that make up the entrepreneurial community. Until next time.